Let us turn now to Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians. <coughs> And in verse 15 we read, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. This exhortation is the conclusion of a section in which the apostle is explaining to us the details or the main structure of just the last days. And uh, when you read the passage in its totality, you are clearly appraised of the fact that there will be a falling away, that there will be a man of sin who will be revealed, and that there will be a great increase of lawlessness and, in addition to this, deception, believing lies, deceivableness will characterize what's taking place. On the other hand, he tells us that the believers are going to be aware of these things, we're going to be able to recognize these things. We're going to be able to realize that God has chosen us to a salvation because we have a hold of the truth and we believe the truth. Therefore, we are to stand fast. And in the midst of the last days, there will be this emphasis upon Standing fast. Now those two things are going to be balanced and they're going to be counterbalanced and they're going to swing back and forth as you and I take our part and have our place in it. Now this past week we have had in Cape May a prophetic conference with three of our leaders from Faith Seminary in charge and they have been beautifully received. Wonderful deep expositions. In fact, we're even thinking of their speeches have all been recorded. We're going to get out a series of books on prophetic conferences, and we'll print this and have it from Cape May. But Dr. McRae and Dr. Cohen and uh, Professor Dunsweiler, the three of them have been there. And we're going to have these prophetic conferences every single year until the Lord comes as he provides. But we do defend and we do expound the view of the premillennial return of Christ. And it's very interesting that it is in this premillennial field that these men are standing, they're united together. It's very interesting that in the amillennial field generally that nobody stands up for these things. They're not standers, they're, they're compromisers generally. But this tremendous emphasis upon the coming of the Lord and his immediate coming that he's going to rapture us into the clouds, that tremendous impact which we believe and which we believe here to be scriptural, uh, overshadows what we are seeking to do there. Now I'd like to show you something first in this passage that I don't think I've ever pointed out to you before, but this is one of the passages that does trouble people. You see, in this uh, second chapter, the apostle is saying that there are certain things that do have to happen 
before this day of Christ arrives. While in other places in the Bible we're constantly saying there's nothing that needs to happen. He may come tonight. And so you appear to have a conflict between that portion which says he may come immediately and his return is imminent. And then those who say, well, here we are told that the man of sin has to be revealed, that this man of perdition is going to arise and he's going to exalt himself and he's going to sit in the temple of God and he's going to show himself that he's God. Now that all has to take place before the day of Christ, before the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how are we going to understand this? How are we going to reconcile? Well, if you'll read it very carefully, and let me read it to you. Now get your Bibles and read this now, and I want you to see it. After he says, verse 3, Let no man deceive you that that day shall not come except there come a falling away. That's your apostasy. That man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Here's your Antichrist who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he has God sitting in the temple of God, and somebody says, well, where is that temple? Is that the temple in Jerusalem, and does that temple have to be rebuilt then? There's no temple there now, so he can sit in it, and before he can come, you've got to have a temple built anyhow. You see? Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. There's something that's holding this back. There's something that has to happen that he might be revealed. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now, beloved, this is the removal of the forces that restrain the iniquity and the mystery of iniquity, and the forces he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And the Holy Spirit, which is in the church, the Holy Spirit, which takes the church and makes the church, he is to be taken out, and at this point you have the key that explains the order, and you have here the rapture of the church and that taken out of the way. And, beloved, when we all go out and the Spirit of God, who now letteth, who now restrains, is removed, then this mystery of iniquity will manifest itself. Then you'll have the tribulation period. Then you'll have this man of sin being revealed. Then you'll have him sitting in the temple. And that's why we think on the basis of passages like these that they will rebuild that temple in Jerusalem. They may, not, they may not do it until after the rapture, or they may even get the thing going before the rapture. We don't know. But at least you have here that, that which is going to let, it'll be taken out. And then when he is taken out of the way, look at verse 8. Then shall that wicked one be revealed. Not until the church is gone. Not until the Holy Spirit has taken the redeemed away. Now, when I say the church, I mean the true church. I don't mean the apostate church. Beloved, the world council of churches and everybody belongs with it. They'll have a big council then without any interference from the ICC. There'll be nobody around to challenge them or question them. But here's just as clear. You read that passage 
And it's not until he who now letteth be taken out of the way, the restraining influences of the Spirit, the restraining influences of the gospel in this wicked world. And beloved, did you know that you and I are helping to hold back the tide? We're forces of the Spirit lifting up a witness and lifting up a challenge and that's resisting the wicked forces. It's holding back those wicked forces and the Lord says, I'll take them out of the way. And when they're taken out and taken up, then shall that wicked one be revealed. I don't think you can identify the man of sin. I don't think you should even attempt to identify the man of sin until the Lord comes and takes us away and then he'll appear on the stage. He'll stay on the stage, but it's not our business. Then shall he be revealed. He's not revealed and he won't be revealed until that time. Whom the Lord, now notice verse 8, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. The Holy Spirit will have gone away with the church and these wicked forces will be free to go and unfold and develop. And the Lord shall destroy them with the brightness of his coming. And that's the apocalyptic return. That's the revelation. There's the unveiling where he comes. And that is the day of Christ spoken of by Paul when his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. Now see that order is just as nice as you can see it, you can understand it. Verse 9, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. Oh, this wicked one, this awful Spirit of Antichrist is coming. His working is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. I don't think I mentioned it. Maybe I did. I touched on it on the radio program. But last week they had big stories in the paper about these scientists from up in Harvard and out on the West Coast. And they had all gone down to Washington to appear before some government committee. And they wanted the United States government to put up the money for some great study and analysis of these uh, unidentified flying objects. I don't know whether you saw that story or not, but it was very interesting, and I was very much pleased to see it. Of course, what I didn't like about it was that every time these scientists want any money, they run down to Washington to get it. They don't go to private foundations anymore. They go to Washington to get it. But they were down there trying to get some money so we can set up, and they were saying that the evidence is overwhelming, that we are probably under surveillance by beings from outer space. Of course, they don't know anything about the Bible that speaks about the principalities and the powers in heavenly places. And they never heard about Gabriel coming down here and speaking to the Virgin Mary, and they never heard about the angelic choir announcing the birth of Christ and the hosts were in the heavens. Of course there are beings in this universe. There are multiplied millions of beings in this universe. And there may be all kinds of them out there, and they may have us under surveillance. But then they went on, and they come up. They came up with the idea that maybe, maybe it was these unidentified flying objects that had something to do with these failures of power, which blacked out New York City, and which has blacked out some of the other areas of our country. And I read that, and why in the world don't these men wake up and think that it might have been the communists that had something to do with these failures of power? But here they are identifying objects. They're there. We must make it steady. And suppose we get this great steady, and suppose we come up with some final revelations and facts presented by the scientists working for the government that we're under surveillance by outer space and beings are coming in here in objects that we don't know anything about, and they're looking after us. What in the world will that produce so far as hysteria is concerned? 
whose working is after the power of Satan with all signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And, O oh, beloved, tonight as you're gathered here in this church tonight, the highways are jammed and packed with people who've been lovers of pleasure today. They're not interested in worshiping God. Thank God you're in a place where we're reading from the Holy Scriptures that tells you that this is the characteristic of these latter days. Deceivableness, lying wonders. Men will believe lies. And we are to know these things. And then the apostle turns and says unto us, Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Hold the traditions which ye have been taught whether by word or by our epistle. You remain faithful. You remain true. You remain knowledgeable in the Scriptures. You remain by the grace of God which has brought you your salvation and the gift of everlasting life. I've been studying these questions of the deceivableness. It bothers me so because so many good people are being deceived. So many people who want to know better are being deceived. It seems that deception, and you're so concerned about these things, they seem to get a hold of minds of people, and when they possess them, you can't reason with them anymore. You can't even talk with them anymore. There's some sort of a fixation that goes with this type of deception, this type of believing a lie. Now, in the last few days, I've had, I don't know how many letters have been coming to me. I've got all kinds of them. But something has happened now that's just disturbing people. One of the movements that has grown like wildfire throughout the world is the Pentecostal movement. And one of the chief leaders in the Pentecostal movement has been an evangelist by the name of Ora Roberts. And Ora Roberts has preached the gospel, but with it he's carried the healing and the tongues. And consequently, we do not follow him in these matters, but we've always believed that Ora Roberts, as nearly all the Pentecostal groups do, accept the Bible. And they should stand, they ought to stand, uh, against the great apostasy. Many of them do. But there's a strange delusion in the Pentecostal camp today, a strange delusion that has afflicted these men. They have an international organization of Pentecostal churches, and they have a gentleman who's been chairman of it, Dr. Duplice. And he has been openly advocating that the Pentecostal churches join the World Catholic Churches, go in and be a part of it. And under his influence, two Pentecostal churches in Chile in 1961 joined the World Council of Churches. He was over in Uppsala speaking there. And his line of argument is that the Pentecostal churches ought to go into the World Council of Churches and carry the gifts of healing and give to these larger churches the gifts of the tongues. And that they should go in and join. 
He's had considerable influence, and while I was in Sweden, I was accosted by several Pentecostalists who came to see me, asking me my opinion on these things, which I expressed freely to them, but they said that Duplis was having a great influence over certain Pentecostal leaders, and they were changing their stance and were now telling the fundamental Pentecostal people that their wider ministry is inside of the World Council of Churches. Furthermore, the World Council of Churches welcomes this, and they have been saying, their leaders are saying now, that our arms are outstretched to the evangelicals, they call them, and the Pentecostals represent a great group of what they call the fundamentalists, and therefore, now that these breaks are coming, now that these things are developing, we are going to get a breakthrough into the fundamental areas. And as a result of that, we'll diminish the opposition to the World Council among the groups that still believe the Bible. The World Council of Churches has a problem on its hands. It must have everybody in it to be ecumenic. Furthermore, the World Council of Churches has a problem on its hand, and that is how to deal with the open, forthright opposition that has developed in many areas of the world on the part of those who are steadfast and who are not going into this ecumenical monster with all of its uh, conglomeration of opinions and ideas and all the things that they're saying. But in the midst of all of this, Evangelist Billy Graham held his world assembly two years ago, and these lines were blurred, and among those who went to that assembly to be honored and recognized was none other than Ora Roberts of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we saw the break, the first big public break in the ministry of Ora Roberts. When Ora Roberts was in Australia way back there, I was there, there trying to put him out of the country. And I came to his defense. As the president of the ICC, I said he had as much right to preach in that country as anybody else, and I came to his defense, even though we did not believe in some of the doctrines that they were preaching, especially the way in which they manifest the gift of tongues and get special revelation. Beloved, it was announced just a little while back, and now Mr. Roberts has sent out a letter, a copy of which I have. He sent it to all his people, explaining why he's done it and trying to justify his position in this. And I can only say that a blindness is settling down over this man's mind. A strange delusion seems to be taking hold of him. So much so that people are writing, here's a dear lady, she brought me this letter this week, and she says, I wrote him a letter. But now let me just read you from this letter. Here is a man who's been outside of the ecumenical. He's reached thousands of people with the Pentecostal message. And now he's decided that his place is inside of the ecumenical. And to obtain this position and this place, he then goes and joins the Methodist Church and submits to ordination by the Methodist. And he now is a minister in good standing of the large Methodist Church with all of its inclusivism and with all of its leadership in the World Council of Church. Now here's his letter. Dear partner, I have changed churches in recent months. You may like this, or you may not. But the important thing is that God commanded me to do it, to help bring healing to more people in historic churches 
as well as to full gospel groups. I am the same man, only more so. A world evangelist called by God to take healing to all people of all churches and to win souls. I am for all, I am for you all the way. My ministry is for you. My healing prayers are for you. My witnesses for, to these people who are now open to my ministries is your ministry also. Don't forget that this ministry has taught you many things about God being a good God, about his healing power, and the point of contact about how to release your faith about the nine gifts of the Spirit. Don't you want me to share these same things with persons who have hungry hearts and urgent needs of the power of God? Surely you do. If you just stop a moment and listen to God speak to your heart, you know that I have integrity. I am God's poverty, property. I do what he tells me to do, whether men approve it or not. You know that for 21 years I've obeyed God even when the critics condemn me, and I have never replied in kind to my critics. In every step, God has vindicated me. Don't let your heart be upset. Listen to the still, small voice in your heart. Now, this is Oral Roberts. You can read his letter. I'll put it in a beacon. I'm going to photographically reproduce it because this is an excellent illustration. There's not one reference to the scriptures in it. There's not one single mention of the word of God in it. There's not one single identification of his guidance with the holy word or with the commandments. He says God is holy. His heart, the small voice in his heart is holy. And now in order to broaden out his ministry, as he said, I'm going into this great apostasy. I'm going into this world Catholic churches. I'm going to go in it so I can reach more people. Now that's his line. May I read you the letter that this dear lady wrote him? Dear Brother Roberts, I do pray for you you are on my prayer list, but I cannot land to the world Catholic churches. I believe Carl McIntyre is exposing it through God's word. I have never heard him say anything against you, but if any of your money goes into the world Catholic churches, I could not support you. I don't give enough to make any difference one way or the other, but I give conscientiously. You are my favorite evangelist. But this has been bothering me. How could you support the World Council of Churches when it is led by so many communist agents? Also, if anyone is healed or saved in their tithe money would support this World Council of Churches where communist leaders like Nicodem, anti-American and atheist etc. A dear, sweet, humble, Pentecostal lady comes to Cape May, gives me this letter, and she says, what has happened to my idol? What's the answer? Deceivableness. 
What in the world is going to happen? Who's going to turn back next? Who's going to join the great crowd again? What is going to happen? Or Roberts. He's had his big campaigns in Trenton and all through this area. Many people have turned to him, but he says God commanded him. Beloved, I say in this pulpit, God Almighty never commanded anybody to go in and have fellowship with iniquity. God never commanded anyone to go in and help build the apostasy. God never commanded anyone to be a part of this falling away. And Ora Roberts has changed. He's moved. He's moved. And now he's putting out his letters trying to justify himself and appealing to the people. Don't you think it would be nice that I could share what I have with all these people? Beloved, I don't care what you have to share with anybody, no matter what it is. You're not to do the sharing business on the basis of fellowship with unbelief or obeying or disobeying the written commands of God's Word. You're not to do it. And I tremble when I lead this passage. This passage says that there will be all deceivableness, and men are going to believe lies. And they're going to take their own ministries in their own hands and do what they think is what ought to be done. And this means that thousands and thousands of simple, plain, good people are going to say, well, maybe it isn't so bad. Or Roberts laid his hands on me. I felt his healing touch. And if he thinks it's all right to be in this apostasy, well, then, okay, we'll go along with him. That's what's happening just at this time. You remember what our Savior said to his disciples? Will ye also go away? Who is it going to strike next? Who even of our own number may be turned aside next? Oh, beloved, it's frightful. Look at that passage. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. First, there's the coming. That's the revelation. Second, there's our gathering together. There's the rapture. Both phrases are there. They're separated. That ye be not so shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter as from us, that the day of Christ, that is, the, when Christ appears personally and his feet stand on the Mount of Olives, is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, no matter what the program, no matter what the means. Don't you be deceived, for that day shall not come. Except there come a falling away first. And here it is. We're in the midst of the collapse and the breakdown. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God. He's going to sit in the temple of God. Where that temple is, will it be the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem? Some feel that it will be. Showing himself that he is God. What awful blasphemy is this thing to lead to? Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. Paul was a teacher of prophecies. Paul was a preacher and an explainer of the events about him so that God's people would understand. 
And now ye know, you've been told it, I've told you people, ye know what is withholding. Ye know what is restraining that he might be revealed in his time. He has a time, that time's going to come and the Spirit of God is withholding. These restraining forces are here. This very pulpit is one of the restraining forces in this day. This very broadcast of ours is one of these restraining forces across the nation in this day. This very conference which we have is one of the restraining forces in this day. Ye know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. It's here, men are being misled. It's working in our midst. Only he who now let will let he who now restrains will continue to restrain until he be taken out of the way. Then shall that wicked man be revealed. And we're waiting for the Spirit of God to go up. We're waiting for the Son of God to rapture us. We're waiting to be caught into the clouds. We're waiting for that glorious time when we shall be lifted into the skies by the power of the Lord Jesus and by his Spirit. Then he says, that wicked one shall be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume. Oh, there'll be no one here to consume him. There'll be no one left to deal with him. Only this one who comes from outer space, who has the earth under surveillance. He is the one who will do it. And he will destroy him with the very brightness of his coming our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Even him whose working is after Satan with all power, signs, wonder. The mystery of iniquity, it's working, it's working, it's working. And oh, that so many shall not be deceived. Who will be deceived next? Pray God it'll not be you. Pray God that you'll be spared these awful things. Pray God that you have a salvation which is the work of the Spirit of God in your heart and you are born again and you know it. We're moving into a dreadful storm. And does your anchor hold? Does your anchor hold? Let us pray. Oh God, we thank thee tonight that we can see these things and we just ask thy blessing upon the message we brought. And Father, when others turn and others are deceived and others let down, even some of our young people are being led astray, Lord, we just ask that thou bless. Oh, help us, Father. May we know that God hath from the beginning chosen us through the sanctification of this spirit and the belief of the truth. Now bless us tonight. Prepare us for the duties of the morrow, the decisions that we'll all be making. And may we all stand fast for Christ's sake. Amen.
302. Hallelujah, what a Savior. 302. Hallelujah, what a Savior. of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.